Hello and welcome to another edition of St. Pete's on Repeat, the online sermon archive of St. Peter Lutheran Church in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. The sermon was preached on February 28th, 2021, for the second Sunday in Lent, and it's based on Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of our Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, of course it was Peter. Impetuous Peter. Peter always had to be the first to speak and the first to act. He's the one who asked Jesus to let him walk on water, and he did. He's the one who selflessly volunteered to build three shelters on the Mount of Transfiguration, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah, without a thought that he and James and John could probably use a shelter too. And in the verse immediately before our gospel text for today, we find out that Peter was even the first disciple to confess that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a big deal. Up until that moment, the disciples were perfectly content to confess that Jesus had come from God, that Jesus was an exceptionally wise and godly teacher, that he was a heaven-sent prophet with miraculous power. But finally, just before our text for today, Peter is willing to put into words what no one dared to say out loud for fear that they might jinx it, Jesus is the promised Savior of the world. Sometimes I wish I were more like that, Peter. Quick and decisive, ready to say what needs to be said and to do what needs to be done. But then I read our gospel lesson for today, and I'm not so sure. Sometimes Peter is so admirable, other times he's an absolute mess. And this was not one of Peter's finer moments. Shortly after making that beautiful and bold confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, Peter betrayed his utter ignorance as to what that meant. Mark begins our gospel. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
Can you picture how this went down? There's a crowd of people around Jesus. He's teaching them about who he is and what he came to do. This is the meat of the matter. Peter, meanwhile, is within arm's reach, presumably nodding along with everything that Jesus has to say, until Jesus says this, and you can almost hear the record screech to a halt in Peter's brain. Wait, what did he say? And then Peter does what may be the most impetuous thing he did in his entire life. He interrupts Jesus' teaching. He grabs the man he confessed to be the Christ, pulls him aside, and begins to scold him as if Jesus were a little schoolboy who had just said a four-letter word on the playground at recess. Peter wasn't having it because Peter didn't get it. When Peter confessed Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, what he said was literally true, but what he expected Jesus as the Christ to do couldn't be further from the truth. Mark doesn't tell us exactly what Peter's specific expectations were, but it wouldn't be hard to guess. Many people expected the promised Savior to bring political freedom, to make Israel great again. They saw the Christ as their bread king, the, the miracle worker who could heal all their diseases and give them a lifetime supply of fish and bread for lunch. They hoped that Jesus would bring them peace and comfort and stability and health and freedom. But Jesus, Jesus talks about suffering and rejection and murder. Needless to say, that's not what Peter expected or wanted from his Savior. It was unacceptable to him. In Peter's mind, Jesus had it all wrong. Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. In Peter's mind, Peter knew what was best. Impetuous? More like presumptuous, prideful, arrogant, right? How could Peter be so blind? To tell you the truth, that's a question I need to ask myself every day. How could this Peter be so blind? How can I be so arrogant as to think that I know better than God? It's true, I do. Not know better than God, but think I do. When something doesn't go my way or meet my expectations, I sit down in confusion and ask why. Why did this have to happen? Why did I have to mess up on my taxes and now spend the rest of the year eating ramen noodles because the money just isn't there? I had so many things I wanted to do with that money. This wasn't part of the plan. Why do my family members and friends have to suffer? They don't deserve this. I want them to have a good long life. I want to introduce them to my son. What do you know, God? If you just thought like me, then, then everything would be fine. It'd be smooth sailing. You know, we can read this passage and scoff at Peter's audacity and spiritual blindness, but the truth is that we do the same thing. We don't want to hear about taking up our crosses and sharing in Jesus' suffering. And that means that what Jesus said to Peter, I need to hear. And so do you. Get behind me, Satan, he said. Can you imagine hearing Jesus say that to you? Peter must have felt about this big. If you were under the impression that Jesus 
is a cuddly messiah who's always marshmallow soft, then think again. Jesus speaks plainly here and calls sin what it is. Sin is not a rare occasion of weakness or an endearing little personality quirk. It's an insight into our souls and an indication where our loyalties lie. If we have in mind anything other than God's plan, we have in mind the things of men and, quite frankly, the things of the devil. Just like Peter, in those moments, our perspective is fatally skewed and it desperately needs to be adjusted. That's why Jesus clarifies what the things of God are by talking about the value of our souls. Peter's hope for Christ, whatever it may have been, eerily mirrors our own hopes for Jesus. Peter didn't want a Messiah who would be disgraced or who would suffer. Neither do we want a Savior who allows pain or evil to happen in our lives. But that kind of theology of glory, the desire for Jesus to provide us with nothing but the most pleasant things in this life, that's incompatible with the plain, frank truth of Jesus' mission. Jesus never promised a life of ease or comfort or luxury as a reward for following him. Quite on the contrary, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Self-denial means that self-advancement isn't our primary objective. But when we look at our lives, we see just how easy it is to get lost in building our careers, working for promotions, pursuing degrees. It's easy to get lost in the desire for a family that never fights, or for a family at all, for that matter. It's easy to get lost in the desire for a lifestyle that fulfills all our fantasies. Sometimes we even have our own faulty expectations of what should be happening here at church with the quality of the music or increased attendance or a better facility or more money in the, op in the operating fund. All those things are wonderful blessings of the Lord. But the problem comes when we demand and expect them, when we question God's motives when he doesn't give them to us. That's why Jesus has to speak so sharply here. Because our desires may be for good things, but they're not always the best thing. And if we lose sight of the best thing, then none of those good things are worth having. Jesus puts it this way, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? It sounds harsh, but it's actually a very hopeful question. Even when Jesus speaks sharply to us, even when he rightly calls our actions and attitudes sinful, his concern is always for your soul. A soul commandeered by sin is condemned. And while it may enjoy life on this earth for a while, its future is eternal suffering. A soul redeemed by Christ, on the other hand, will live in God's true peace forever. And so our greatest possession is, is not family. It's not health or wealth or well-being. It's our relationship with Christ. 
There is nothing in this world that we value more than the one who promises us reconciliation and eternal life. There is nothing in this world that we value more than Christ, not even life itself. And the only reason any of us can say that is because Jesus felt the same way about us. What would you give in exchange for your soul, Jesus asks. It's a rhetorical question. The answer is supposed to be obvious. Nothing. But if I turned that question around and asked God the same thing, what would you give in exchange for my soul? His answer would be the exact opposite. God would say everything. God did give everything in exchange for your soul. He traded his family, his one and only son, for you. He gave up his dignity by becoming a human being and suffering at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law for you. He gave up his freedom and his comfort and his health for you. Jesus gave his very life for you when he went to die on a cross for you. That's why he came for you. That's what it means to be the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. It means that our God was willing to take on himself the pain and suffering for our sin and to give us hope. So let's not be like Peter and, and stop listening after Jesus talks about his murder. Jesus didn't just say that he would suffer and be rejected and killed. He also promised to rise again. Despite the pain and suffering, despite the weight of our sin, Jesus rose again. And with his resurrection to new life, Jesus gives us hope for a new life. A new life unencumbered by the guilt of our sin. A new life filled with the peace of knowing that we are no longer on the side of Satan, but we've been reconciled to God in Christ. A new life that, that may have to suffer and, and carry a cross in this world, but that considers Jesus' cross light and the cost of following him cheap, especially by comparison to what it cost him to be our savior. Peter, Peter was impetuous. He was a ready, fire, aim kind of guy. And sometimes that got him in trouble. But you have to love his love for his Lord. And you have to admire his willingness to be corrected. Even though it took him months after this moment to finally get it, in the end he did. He saw Jesus do what he said he would. He saw Jesus suffer and be rejected and murdered. But he saw Jesus rise again, too. And then Peter understood that Jesus had to suffer and die for our sins, but that he rose to life for our justification, to give us hope of salvation and eternal life in him. And if Christian tradition holds true, well, then Peter gets much of the credit for Mark's gospel. Peter was Mark's mentor. Peter calls Mark his son. Peter is the one who taught Mark the faith, and Peter is the one who signed off on Mark's gospel, including this very unflattering portrayal of him. But that's okay. And it's even good to see where we can go wrong as long as we see how Christ makes it right.
Salvation and suffering go hand in hand. May we never lose sight of it. May we always appreciate the sacrifice our Savior made for us and willingly take up our crosses and follow him through the pain and suffering of this world to life everlasting in his name. Amen.